Welcome, welcome, welcome. This uh, this is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 217, with Simon Pegg. Um, particularly noisy intro today. Um, I should pause, because then if it's too noisy... Uh, oh, there's a whistle. Buddy Peace, who's the, the master of the podcast, can kind of take out some of the background sounds, because I've paused, he's got... It's technical stuff. I'm at the train station. I, I'm telling them. I'm at the train station. The, the, the reason I'm doing this on the fly is I'm so bloody busy at the moment. I'm recording so many podcasts. I've been recording a podcast today in London. Um, I've just done one with Professor Green, and it's fantastic. Like You know, I've been saying a lot that the, the upcoming Chili Gonzalez one is possibly the best I've ever done. This Pro Green one comes, comes close. So, um, oh, I'm getting on the train now, so I should be able to stop shouting. I'm not in the quiet zone, so I'm allowed to talk. Um, yeah, so I've done that with Professor Green. I've recorded one with Example. I've recorded one with Tony Law. Um, who else is there to come? I can't think. Um, but yeah, loads of podcasts. I've also um, topped up at speechdevelopmentrecords.com, which is the sponsor, as ever, of the podcast. And I've topped up on the sunglasses because they sold out. And I've just put in an order to top up on the vests. And something I've not put in stock for two or three years now. Three years, I think, at least. Well, it might be longer. No, I think it's more four or five years. Is the barbecue aprons that um, are based on my song Introduction and the line, You see a mousetrap, I see free cheese and a fucking challenge. So they're either in stock or going back in stock but only a limited run of 30 or so i'm keeping it genuinely really low but um i have people request there every now and then anyway i'll stop rambling today's guest is simon Pegg, who is a dear dear friend i love this guy to the moon and back um and it was great to have him on for a catch-up because last time genuinely literally last time i saw him was when we recorded the last podcast which was about three years ago and we keep in touch we chat we interact but it was lovely to get face-to-face with Simon. Um, if this is your first introduction to the podcast, then I'd recommend you go back and listen to the previous episode with Simon Pegg. And I've also had Nick Frost and Paddy Considine, Michael Smiley. I'm trying to think of the links. So Paddy Considine and Hot Fuzz, obviously. Smiley was in uh, Spaced. Um, who else have I had that's linked to Simon Pegg's Sophia Batella, who we speak of highly in this episode and is one of my favourite um, episodes in the past. I'm, I must be missing someone really glaring. I've not had Edgar Wright on yet. We've, we've lined it up a few times, but it's fallen through. And Jessica as well. I've lined that up several times and it's fallen through. Um, I think that's all the direct Simon Pegg links. Oh no, Martin Freeman is also um, he's in The World's End, briefly in Shaun of the Dead. That was a great episode. That was recently so go back and listen to that um i think that's everyone that i can link simon to for now there's going to be loads more so just have a browse through the back catalog it's rammed um i should mention that my club night at we are lizards is back in town um it's july 28th at the book club please come along we've got colin murray on the ones and twos along with myself dj destruction the hardcore listing boys and many more and speaking of which, I should plug other podcasts. We now have a really full family in the Distraction Pieces Network. We've got Hardcore Listening on Mondays. We've got 
Tuesday Night Draws on Tuesdays. We've got, obviously, this Distraction Pieces podcast on Wednesday. We've got films to be buried with, with Brett Goldstein on Thursdays. His guests so far have, frankly, knocked it out of the park. He's had James Acaster and Catherine Ryan, both absolutely hilarious episodes. Oh, no, the Catherine Ryan one's out tomorrow. But, yeah, it's genius, I promise you. Um, and he's got Nish Kumar coming up and Ashlyn B, and myself, and loads. He went straight to number one in his category on the iTunes chart as he launched last week, so obviously he's wondrous. We've also got, on Friday, Off the Beat and Track podcast with Stuart Awiffin, where he, yeah, it's a music-based one. I was the first guest. He's had um, Russell from Block Party on. Um, he's got some great people coming up. The, the, the Daniel Sachs going on there. So yeah, loads of really good people. It's a great podcast as well. So check all of them out. Um, I'm also going to mention now, check out the Cinemile podcast. It's not on the network, but it's a podcast I enjoy. And I'm going to reveal this. We've kind of kept it a secret, but I've been on the Cinemile podcast before, right? It's a podcast where um, Dave and Kathy, a lovely Irish couple, um, live a mile from their cinema they walk to the cinema have a quick chat about the film in advance they watch a film and then on the way back they kind of review it and it's wonderful and i went on and enjoyed it and there was arguments on twitter as who their best special guest has been me or kathy's mum so i was like i'm on kathy's mum's side but then they were a fan of when my mum was on the distraction pieces podcast so there was that I've paused there because people are coming. I think they. I think I'm on a carriage that's about to go to be put in a shed or something. It's not. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, yeah. So they liked my mum on their podcast, so they decided that we should do a mum off. So Kathy and her mum went to see Skyscraper, the rock masterpiece, um, and me and my mum went to see Skyscraper, and we've both r- recorded a cinema episode they're normally 20 to 30 minutes long about that and i'm putting mine out on the distraction pieces feed so it'll be it will have either popped up secretly already or it'll be to come i think we're putting it out next week but it's touch and go and they're putting theirs out on the cinema feed i'm rambling too much that's what's happening with a secret cinema mum off but you're here to listen to the wonderful simon peg and rightfully so so i will let you get on with that um i'll be back at the end with some more information for you. I'll have a look on my phone and look at what the actual lineup of upcoming guests is. I've got Angelos Epithemiu next week, I think, and Chili Gonzalez, which I mentioned is my f- possibly my favourite ever. Anyway, this is episode 217 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with Simon Pegg. As someone who was in in Cuban Fury with Nick, oh yeah, on uh, one of the people who's in it, I remember seeing him on Graham Norton, and every question she was like, "I can't remember." <laughs> I, was only in it. I literally had a week of, of shooting. Yeah. We got all my scenes in one go. Yeah, it was Olivia Coleman. Oh, was um, it? Right, sure right, it was. Right, right. And she was just like, 
I wish I could tell you. I don't know. I wish I could help. It was good fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Everybody was lovely. I've got very little information for you. <laughs> uh, Simon, can I get a little bit of level from you? Yes, hello. This is Simon, and I've just had some steak and some salad. Excellent. Good choices. Uh, hello. I've not had steak and salad. I've had a protein cookie. Wow. From um, Go of Go Nutrition? No, I, I'm with my protein is ah. the one that I enjoy. Okay, yeah. I'm going to have to look that up. They're good. I'm always on the hunt for my next protein snack. I like them um, because I've got into my fitness, but I've got a sweet tooth. Yeah. So they do a really nice protein brownie and a really nice baked protein cookie. Nice. So it's not, you know, often protein stuff, it'll feel really heavy. Yeah. But because it's a baked cookie, it's soft. Yeah, yeah. I so it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of lovely. But yeah. You're not sponsored by my protein, are you? No, no, we're not yet, but I'm open to it. Um, well, there we go. We've started. I'm joined once again by Simon Pegg. How are you, sir? Second time round. I feel very, very honoured. It is. It's exciting. And it's it's beautiful because we, me, you, and I have the same with Nick and a few others, we're always trying to find a, some time to catch up. I know, yeah. And all that, but we've all got, obviously, busy lives, which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love it when work forces us to have a catch-up and that was was literally this so yeah we'd been talking a month or two before i think because i'd sent you a script i'd written that's right yeah. um and we were trying to arrange you know we'll meet up at some point yeah, and then yeah, this yeah. came through and i was like well there you go that's a that's i know and i remember i remember i was listening to distraction pieces when i was in on holiday yeah and i, I listened to one that was particularly affecting and cool and i emailed you yeah yeah but that but it's nice that it's, it's a social kind of thing. Completely. It means that we, you know, get to... And that's out. exactly... I think it is weird because there's podcasters that I've met once or twice that in my head, we're in regular contact. Because yeah, literally yeah, yeah. in my head we are. I'm hearing <laughs> yeah. them talking all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is that weird thing. It's nice to have those things that can make you kind of... Absolutely. If you are off around the world and being busy. Yeah. Um, but one of the things you've been busy with is, is the new Mission Impossible, which we are going to talk about. But yeah. I've got the most pressing question of all to kick things off. Um, it's been talked about online a lot recently, for me specifically. Right. Um, for a long time now, every year, I do, since 2010, I think, was the first time I did it, I do a tweet or Facebook post on fa- on Father's Day <laughs> saying, Happy Father's Day, motherfuckers. Yes. And for the last few years, I've had people going, you, you've nicked that off Simon Pegg. And then you, <laughs> you mentioned it in an Empire interview, I think it was recently. Yes. And so this year, half the people, like I've got half the people like, I'm waiting for your annual tweet. And then half the people, <laughs> as soon as I did it, were like, do you nick that off Simon Pegg? But just to clear up, I don't think either of us nicked it off anyone. It's just... It's a very straightforward logical, joke. Yeah. straightforward joke. It's a lovely moment of synchronicity between the two of us. Yeah, but it's a really enjoyable joke. because I genuinely enjoy it every year. It is. It's one of those incredible, <laughs> sort of concise, little three-word, whatever yeah. it is. Happy Father's Day, yeah. Uh, forward jokes, and uh, it's perfect. And it's and it's it's crystalline in yeah. its construction. It's beautiful. Yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to you know clear that up for anyone who's listening and questioning either of us for <laughs> being each other that, off. But, but we're not. We just have concise comedy minds Absolutely. in that manner. Um, Great minds think alike, as they exactly, say. Exactly. Exactly. So last time you were on, it's kind of I was, I was excited about this one because you were on a couple of years ago now. Yeah. And you're someone that fits a lot into a couple of years. Yeah. So in the first episode, if anyone hadn't caught that, we talk about space and we cover all Shaun of the Dead and all all that area. So yes. now we can talk about everything. The, the, it's the difficult since. second album now. It is the difficult <laughs> second album. But one of the things that's great is I can now say, because it's obviously credit in that, but as soon as we stopped recording on the last one, you said, I couldn't say obviously on there, but 
I've been off filming Star Wars. Right, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. so now we can talk about that. But, yeah, but, yeah. But how was that to kind of, to visit the set and to be a part of it? And Because again, that's, it's something, I mean, even from space and all that, we know oh, it's yeah. something that was a huge part of your life before your career and then part of your career. Yeah, I mean, it felt like my destiny as, yeah. in a way, you know, as a child, as a fan of, of the original film. And as, you know, I was one of the many patient zeros of that, of that, cultural phenomena you know yeah. i was seven i was exactly the right age for it to utterly change my life because it existed within from being seven to 13 you know yeah. so my childhood Amazing, really prior yeah. to adolescence and um and so it, it formed a huge part of that part of my life and as i grew older and i went to university and i studied film and i realized you could study popular culture as valid as any kind of high art yeah you know as an expression of what's going on in society and then spaced and then the prequels came out and that whole thing with the disappointment with those films became like a a a thing yeah and so eventually ending up on the set of the force awakens it felt like uh therapy (laughs) you know completely and 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 it's been great that that we've had the force awakens and rogue one and numerous others that have been newer films that have been as warmly received or as excitedly received i know there's now been a bit of a drop and everyone was furious at the last actual star wars and things like that but again it's great that they've managed to come back and have at least a few that were generally this could like i thought rogue one and force awakens are two of my favorite star wars films i think definitely the i mean you know what it was was what people really wanted when the prequels came out was to see the old characters again. Yeah, yeah. And what The Force Awakens did was it it fulfilled that in a sort of proxy sense. Like it was almost like, I mean, willfully by JJ, a, a kind of almost like a reimagining of the first film with different characters. And, yeah. And, and it, I think that was a way of resetting Star Wars to, to what it had been. Yeah, and Rogue One was very much a nostalgia trip, you know, for 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 Star Wars fans. I have this odd feeling now. I've spoken about it before, but I feel like being in The Force Awakens and being on set in the desert and wearing yeah. that suit and being around aliens and gonk droids and stormtroopers, it was almost like that was the end for me, yeah. you know. And I haven't been particularly excited or proactive in terms of seeing anything else since. Yeah. Star Wars-wise. Yeah. Because I felt like that's interesting. Yeah. For your personal journey with Star Wars, you'd you'd reached the peak. Yeah, you'd, it was you'd 40 got years. to Star Wars. You'd yeah. got to be in Star Wars. And then I realised, I'm not that bothered. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it was, uh, but it was a great experience. And I'm really excited uh, for J.J. Abrams, who's yeah. having to take on the, the ninth, I guess, instalment yeah. of, the, of the Skywalker saga, as it is so-called. Yeah. And J.J. kind of, I genuinely think he's someone that, that, that struggles to miss you know, particularly in that area, it's just he seems yeah, to yeah, just yeah. really hone in on exactly. Again, I think it's that thing of coming from the perspective of a fan mm-hmm. and coming from the perspective of someone in the industry who knows how these stories work, knows how these productions work, yeah. knows the long-term payoffs and all that kind of thing. So it's the perfect balance of not just going, "Here's everything the fans want in one go," yeah, and yeah. now everything else will be sad and, and, and miserable. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think he's great at that. So it's exciting it's to know he's got a vision for the. You know, for the ninth for, one, yeah. yeah. It's interesting to me, though, and and, I, and this goes for Star Trek Beyond as well. Everything now, really, is a fan film. Yeah. Like, all subsequent iterations of, 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 of things that happened a long time ago now, like, all the people that are making Star Wars films now are, were fans of that when they were kids. So, yeah. you know, when 
Doug Jung and I wrote Star Trek Beyond, even though it was officially Star Trek and we've been given the keys to that kingdom and, yeah. and we were making a f- film that, that it wasn't on YouTube, it was a Star Trek film. Yeah. To a degree, it still was us writing our Star Trek film. Yeah. You yeah, know, completely. just given the official stamp, you know, yeah. and I think that goes for all of Star Wars now. The, all those films are like fan films. Yeah. They're getting to go, oh, look, I'm doing my own little yeah. area of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how was Star Trek Beyond to work on? Because having the pressure of being a writer on it and yeah. being in it, and, and again, having the fact that it was one of those rare things that rebooted and pretty much no one complained. Yeah. Pretty much everyone was like, yeah, that was really good. Yeah. <laughs> everyone went in there, often with reboots or remakes or whatever, people are ready to be furious. Yeah, and I think like, after... This is, oh, I've, I've heard that this is happening, I'm angry already, before yeah. it's even happened. And Star Trek Into Darkness was very divisive in terms of the the, the sort of... It was the one that I think made the most money, but yeah. the one that annoyed the fans the right. most. So that we were going into it at a weird point. It was simultaneously the hardest and most fun thing I've ever done. Yeah. Because the, the actual giving birth to it was agony. Because yeah. we, we had a very short space of time to write it. We were under a lot of pressure. Um, but when we actually came to shoot it and we were able to kind of like right on the hop and and you know look at the schedule and say okay we got these scenes coming up let's make sure they're spot on it became great fun and it was great to be yeah. a cast member and a writer as well because i think the cast felt very looked after and yeah. so it ended up being good fun and that's one of the the great things in my limited experience on in acting i've been on some sets where there's f- f- freedom to play with the script a bit to see what works on the day and things like that yeah. and i've been in that, in others that were written in america and shooting in the uk that they were so scared to deviate even slightly from the script that it yeah. meant you've got this kind of rigidity because you're scared to it, yeah, so yeah, i yeah. think if there is someone on set who can be a little bit even if it's also going no we need to stick to that because there's payoffs down the line this is yeah, important yeah. it's written that way for a reason just to give everyone that comfort and confidence of okay well we're working as a team here this i is to tell I, I went on set on the day because there's a spaced reference in Star Trek Beyond when right. Captain Kurt says skip to the end. Brilliant. And I, I went and I set that down. I went, Chris, you have to say. Yeah. Because he went like, just get to it. And I went, no, Chris, you've got to say skip to the end. Just That's amazing. That's <laughs> so amazing. I love that. And I, th- I think one of the key things, in fact, a, a, one of the podcasts that you emailed me about um, was was the, 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 the chat ad with Sophia Batella. Yes. And I felt that character was so key to this to, to Star Trek Beyond work yeah, because yeah. it was it's again as <laughs> as the Star Wars um, this, uh, uh, a second batch found out with Jar Jar it's really hard to add new characters sometimes and know if they're going to work <laughs> and when when they're not part of the already established yeah. it can be a very negative thing but yeah. that character was fantastic and she yeah I thought she absolutely nailed it I didn't I didn't twig for ages that it was Sophia. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd seen her in other things and I saw her in things afterwards. Yeah. It wasn't until I was preparing for that podcast. I was like, oh, of course, of course that was Sophia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's incredible, Sophia. She's got that character. We wrote that character as hopefully a sort of charming, kind of interesting figure, but she brought so much to it. Her kind of, you know, she has that amazing sort of French Algerian accent yeah. and. She's very feline as well, which was completely right for Jayla. You know, she's very agile and um, the intrigue. Yeah, yeah. She brought to that character, but also childlike and yeah. yeah, She's brilliant. So that was really fun, and also to 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 have brought a new interesting character to Star Trek felt like a great privilege. You know, yeah, that's that's great fun. So I mean, let's talk about uh, Mission Impossible Um, because the new one is 
is coming out, Fallout, on 26th of June. Yes. Um, and I think it's one of those, I think it's an almost unique franchise in, for me, I've liked everyone more. Like, my favourite of the Mission Impossible series so far is the, is the last one. That's right, the one right. I enjoyed the most. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's incredibly rare with any long ongoing series yeah um, i think I was, I was trying to think earlier and i think weirdly i think the fast and the furious potentially have done that because <laughs> they added people like the rock and jason stay yes. in that world yes genuinely improved that world yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so so how's it been uh, well working on this one it's been a long one right because we all yeah obviously everyone saw that taping had to stop because because tom, tom hurt himself throat. yeah yeah throwing himself I'm laughing but it wasn't funny it was yeah I can imagine but it's I mean in a weird way it becomes an amazing bit of promo because people have all seen that and yeah again it's reassured it makes I've always thought he's amazing in that role as yeah. that character but it makes that even realer because you're like oh right he's really yeah. jumping off of buildings it this was the worst prank I ever pulled on the film set <laughs> um, no it is amazing with that film the, you know the law of diminishing returns appears not to apply, to yeah. be, and, and not least this one because like they, it's it's tested higher than any Mission Impossible film Amazing. has before. Wow! In its sort of um, uh, NRG screenings, and you know, part of that I think is because we happened upon this this thing with 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 Ghost Protocol almost by accident when Tom did the Burj Khalifa scene. Yeah, when he's hanging off that building. And nobody quite knew just how the audience would respond to that. Yeah, and they yeah, responded yeah, yeah. like. Wow! Yeah, you know he's actually doing that, and and that film did really really well. It was the yeah. highest grossing of all of them. Yeah, and then um, it kind of reboot. It, yeah, it, it felt like a reboot in itself. Absolutely, it like it, rather than them just being one, two, and it three. Had its own it was name. like had its own name, and yeah. then it's continued on that, and it feels like yeah, yeah. it and, felt and like I think that, it had taken. It had gone from what they had. Which was great, but when you're starting on Mission Impossible, you've got the series and all that coming as reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is kind of transcended through your born identity and taken and that kind of thing that had all happened since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And suddenly it was this this Definitely. monster. And I think that the the authenticity of of Tom doing his own stunts and not only doing that, doing kind of landmark big stunts really played a part in 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 giving the audience something of a genuine thrill. These days yeah. when you, you can do anything in CG yeah. with face replacement and it can be wonderful and massive and huge and you only have to see films like Avengers or whatever when it's just these incredible, amazing yeah. spectacles, you know, yeah. that are genuinely eye-popping. But when you know it's a person, a human individual, and that human individual is the star of the film yeah. that's literally put their life in danger. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's something more of a friss on there, you know. I couldn't agree more. And I, I spoke about this after Avengers. I'm a huge fan of all the Avengers films, all the Marvel stuff. Yeah, they're great. And, and on this last one, for the first 20 minutes, half an hour, I couldn't get invested in it because right. it all felt so big. Yes, it, it was, yeah. it was, it, everything was a third a third part kind of thing. It was like, it was, yeah, it was yeah. the big crescendo from the beginning. Yes. And yes. I was sitting there like, this is all amazing, but I don't feel attached. At all. And I think they drew that, that back and got there in the end. But yeah, yeah I completely agree. If you've got that, that realism and that genuine, yeah. if you know, there was some fear. genuine peril there, there's a degree of, of kind of, 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 of genuine jeopardy. Like it, it, bl it blows my mind in a way that Tom Cruise is willing. And it says a lot about him as a person, but he's willing to risk his life 
for his audience. Now, you can make of that what you will, but sometimes when people kind of level sort of, you know, gossip and conjecture at him, the things yeah. they've half heard and what have you, and, and complain about him for, for those reasons... I always, I, I always kind of think, well, you know, he he works very hard for for his job, and and you could call him foolish for it, but he generally does risk his life. Yeah, yeah. And it, for me, I, I find it a bit baffling. And I've said goodbye to him a few times on set, not know if I'm going to see him again, it's which is mad, weird, isn't it? Absolutely but, mad. But it, you know, he he genuinely gives a shit about what he does. Yeah. You know. And as I said, he's at the stage where he doesn't need to. No, I know. <laughs> someone else could could do that i did a film at the end of last year and on one of the days i'd assumed they were going to have a stuntman yeah and they didn't right just you just need to fall out of this window and we'll have all this we'll have padding and all that it was like it was fine but i was like oh yeah okay but (laughs) i'm brand new to this i was like i can't really argue tom cruise could quite reasonably and obviously that's a far easier stunt than yeah yeah yeah. but tom cruise could quite comfortable and easily go no i'm all right hand it off and a lot of actors will it's time to go on but it but you know, it's the difference between seeing the character falling out of a window yeah. and seeing you falling out of a window, yeah. or Tom Cruise yeah, yeah, falling yeah, out of a window. Because yeah. then you're thinking, oh, shit, they did that. Yeah. And he, he pilots a helicopter in this film. Amazing. He jumps out of a plane at 25,000 feet. He falls out of a helicopter. Yeah. I remember when Rebecca and I, Rebecca Ferguson and I were on the ground in New Zealand watching the stunt, not realising he had to climb up this rope and then he drops down the rope right. and he sort of started to fall and me and Rebecca just held each other and were like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. But it was yeah. like, oh, no, it's fine, it's in the film. Oh, that's what he's meant to be doing. Yeah. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so so, how is it on a series like this that has got a tight-knit team and, again, kind of every character in the recent episodes has, or, or recent films has got to shine more and mm. come out more in the last one? Are, are you are you got to go and do some some spy shit mm. rather than just some tech shit, which yeah. is exciting in itself. Yeah. Um, how is it when you've got this kind of cl- close-knit team and then you add people? Like, um, in this one, you've got Henry Cavill is, is a huge addition. I mean, yeah. it's Superman. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's pretty exciting. exciting. And I was looking for a, a Michelle Monaghan as well. Yeah, I, I, back. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is one of my favourites. So she's always been a kind of. I think she's, she's awesome, and she was in briefly in the third. I think it was. She was, was in the fourth. fourth she's in, in the, the third in a big role as his yeah. wife. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. You glimpse then you get the, the glimpse at the end yeah. in the fourth. That's right. Yeah. Um, so how is it when people are adding to the the team when you've got that? I said you've built that close knit. Here's us. We are the Mission Impossible lot, and then there's new there's new people coming in and out. It's always fun, you know. It's kind of. Um, I mean, we, we we do have the core. Really, is is sort of Tom, Ving, Rebecca, and me at the moment. Yeah, and or from the last film at least. And then you know Alec Baldwin coming in yeah. as Hunley in the last one, and then coming back in this one. Um, it was gr- he's so fun to work with. Alec, yeah. he is amazing. He has the most extraordinary process, which is a joy to behold. And he is a very funny guy. I think he's an amazing one. That he seems to have become hilarious really recently. Yeah, it seems that. <laughs> That Since for a long Rock. time, people didn't really get that he's hilarious. No. And then suddenly it was like, oh, he's hilarious. He's this it. is wonderful. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And yeah, completely 30, 30 Rock and all the Saturday Night Live stuff. Yeah, like that. It's just... he's very adept at comedy. Yeah. And he's very personally very funny. Henry, you know, it was, it's easy. You know, you know, we're not like a clique. It's not like 
no no guests allowed. Yeah, it's yeah, always yeah. fun when someone new comes in because you want to go, oh, come and do this with us. Yeah. It's amazing. We get to do all these things. We go around the world. And, yeah. you know, for this one, I had to learn to drive a twin-engine speedboat. And then I oh, drove wow. up and down the Seine. And then I had to learn to use a rebreather, do all this underwater acting, oh, which amazing. is hilarious because – when I'm in the dry suit with the mask on under the water doing what I have to do in the movie, you can't tell whether or not it's me. I didn't right. have to do it, yeah, but I yeah, did yeah, do yeah. it. You know? yeah. so That's great because how is that then? Because it's, it's, it's a really interesting thing when for a role you have to learn a new skill, but not only do you have to learn that skill, you have to learn that skill and remember to act. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is a really odd one because, again, if, if it is, is something new, then you will be kind of really focused on getting it right. Absolutely. But then you have to go – no, this isn't Simon Pegg yeah, tr- yeah. Tr- tr- driving a speedboat or underwater. This is your character in yeah, the film. Exactly. This is all this, you know. So and how I think is that? that it's, it's, it's interesting. And I, I, driving a speedboat up and down the, ter- uh, the, the Thames, the Seine, trying to look like I knew how to drive a speedboat, was, I'm sure, nothing compared to flying a helicopter in a spiral uh, towards the ground and pretending to be Ethan Hunt. You know, it's kind yeah. of, uh, it's a weird one. You have to really get in the zone for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And really in, 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 embody that because again, completely is that it's interesting when, like, when you have to learn to, to ride a horse for a film or something yeah. like that. They they'll always be kind of right. That's how you learn. But even though you're not confident, you have to sit in a certain way because yeah. you're meant to have been riding for ages. You can't look like we exactly this morning. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. though we did, we need to make you look like. And yeah. again, it's a similar thing there. If you've if you're really focused on right i know how to drive this now i do that and do that and it's like but you can't be looking no you have to kind of like going through that process unclip from everything you've learned i just did a movie when i I played a music producer and i had to go into a studio and learn how to use a desk you know a mixing desk so a whole day of just like learning how to mix a mix a tune and then so when we shot the thing i I was supposed to look like i've been doing it for years and i was just twiddling with the various solo buttons and this and that and it, and it is a case of learning and then unlearning. Yeah, it's uh, is an art to it. I think. Yeah, I love it. So, so how is it now that, or, or how was it kind of the fact that the film kind of had to be sp- split up a little bit? Because again, normally when you're doing a press junket, the film was finished a year ago, two Usually, years yeah, ago. Yeah. But because there was a gap in the middle, you had to to, to, to finish up a, a this year, right? So yeah, like two months ago. That's mad, isn't it? So, <laughs> so how was that? Does that kind of i mean if if it's if it's a team and a project and part of a series you're used to stopping and jumping back in but does that actually benefit the excitement of it coming out and doing the press and doing the press runs and junkets because it does yeah it does feel like you've just finished it again because there's always that thing you just finished a project and normally it's the nightmare of having actors on podcasts often you can't talk about it at all right for x amount of time because We need to do the promo in a year. Yeah, so it's too early. To have that kind of, right, we've just finished it now, and now we've still got that excitement, and we've got all those moments of doing these things. Yeah, and it's still fresh in the memory. Yeah. And yeah, it, it does help, actually. I mean, it was the same with Rogue Nation. I remember when we sat down to watch the premiere in Vienna, I think Chris McQuarrie and Tom had only finished it that morning in terms of the mix, you know. Wow. And um, so they were literally coming from the sound, the dub, to the to the premiere and that's um, amazing isn't it justin lynn was still working on star trek beyond after it came out you know he went back and finished it for the blu-ray <laughs> there were certain color timing things that we would never notice wow yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he is a sort of perfectionist wanted yeah. to get right but yeah it's good it means that 
it, it's it's fresh in your head. And with with the with the break that we took because of Tom's accident, it it ended up being fairly beneficial, I think. Yeah, not to Tom. Um, although there was a conspiracy theory that he'd done it on purpose because it gave <laughs> anything that Tom does is going to yeah. have a conspiracy theory around it. Like, this is going to how they are. This will make people want to watch the film. Yeah, yeah. see my foot snap in half. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it gave McHugh the chance to sit down with what we'd already shot because the film was kind of made on the go. If there's yeah. any human being that can do that, it's Chris McQuarrie. He's got yeah. an incredible mind for storytelling. He's a really great film director, but he's a, he's a writer. You know, he's a brilliant yeah. writer, so he can. He can survive sort of putting a script together as we make it. But we got to that point and McHugh was able to look at everything we'd shot and realize where the rest of the story would, how the rest of the story would evolve. And it gave him the kind of time he wouldn't have had if Tom hadn't have broken his ankle. So yeah, 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 it yeah. was actually beneficial, Yeah, really, even and, though it's been a bit of a squeeze. And again, I think those things are one of the things that you hear a lot about in the in the film industry is – although people are living their absolute dream, it does become work and it does become a job. So the longer you're on a set or the longer you're on a project, yeah. some of that energy can sap can and some of that buzz can <laughs> can can drift. So I'd imagine that helped in all of it, in the performance and everything, that you're, you're, you're coming back kind of fresh. You've had a little gap and you're yeah. like, yes, here we are again. You're not, well, it was nice. all right, day 47. Yeah, uh, day 144. Yeah, exactly. I remember the last <laughs> shot that we shot, that me and Rebecca shot, was a moment in the movie which is extremely tense. And it was about quarter to one in the morning, I think, and we were we had to wrap the the first unit that day because we'd run out of time and they were going off to shoot some aerial stuff in Abu Dhabi. And it was it was the end of the first unit. And it was the last shot that we were shooting. And it was a particularly tense moment. Yeah. And McHugh like called called us later and said that, that it's so good because the tension is so real yeah. because there was a tension like we've got to finish this movie yeah. and we've got to do this thing that otherwise yeah, completely. Yeah. it's fascinating yeah. i mean it's 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 always interesting because people imagine that big budget hollywood things don't have these restrictions and restraints and presses because it you know it, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that that sounds like it's a little indie yeah, and you've got you've got to get it done by today because we've got to give the cameras back or, yeah. or whatever else. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But that is the reality in in huge blockbusters. So, how does that? And I think, if anything, the stakes are higher because the money is so you know there's a corporate kind yeah. of pressure completely. You know, and they're, 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 it's not like you're you're given a lot of freedom to just you know to noodle away. Not that you do on indie films, but there is a a, a bigger huffing bull yeah. looking down on it yeah. with its money bag so how do you kind of, of, of balance that uh, when I had um, Martin Fr- uh, Freeman on recently oh, I was yeah. talking to him afterwards and, 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 and we spoke warmly of you and, <laughs> and, and he was saying oh yeah well you know Simon's constantly living his dream it's amazing isn't it <laughs> but it is a weird one when you, you're, you're living your dream but it's work and it's hard work yeah. and there's pressure and there's there's stresses and things to get you up and things to get you down. Always. How do you kind of deal with that? Because it's, it's it, it, I guess what I'm trying to articulate is it, it's a tough one to express to people that mm-hmm. you're struggling or that you're tired or that you're miserable when in their mind, mate, 
you're off doing Star Trek, yeah, or you're yeah, off yeah. doing Mission Inf- like, you know what I mean, it can be a really, it can give you nowhere to go at points, and no one to yeah. talk to, and no one engage with. On I that. think if you're gonna, if, if you're trying to communicate that to someone, the point of it is, I think, is the best thing you can do, and I try and instill this in my little one, is that the the, the thing you should work towards is finding the thing that you love doing, mm-hmm. and then do that for a living. Yeah, and if you can get to that point when your job is is the thing that you love. Yeah. Then all the ebb and flow of up and down within that is okay. Yeah. Of so yes, it's tiring, and yes, it can be a little soul destroying at times, or challenging, or it can be the most amazing fun you've ever had. Yeah. All those colours that exist within that framework of doing the thing that you love, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. So yeah, I mean that's the perfect point. Accepted, it's okay. That yeah, all of those yeah. things are there. It's not you're not failing or you're not being arrogant if you're enjoying it or being carefree if you're You're, enjoying it it's all that's the true measure i think of success is 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 personal happiness yeah whatever you're doing whether it's something which is regarded as being sort of materially successful like you know movie star or whatever or you're doing something like you're building a boat yeah you know on a beach somewhere in, in wearing a pair of shorts you know, if that's what you love, then you're more of a success than the person who's the movie star and is miserable. Yeah, completely. You know? uh, one of the things me and 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 Martin uh, talked about was, and it's, it applies to you as as well, because you will be doing these, I mean, huge blockbusters, mm. huge, uh, some of the biggest franchises in the history of film. But then you, you, you'll also be doing independent stuff, and you'll be yeah. be writing stuff, and you've you've started your production a, a house, which we'll talk about as well. Um, so the thing that we were kind of saying was it makes it kind of key that you only try and do the things that you're excited to do and passionate about. Because yeah. the, the fact is, with the film industry, so much of it is out of your control. Yeah, it could yeah, feel yeah. amazing at the time, and when it comes out, everyone hates it. Oh, or, yeah. or, or, or all these other things. So all the time. that kind of stuff, it's 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 heartbreaking, but there's n- there's nothing that you can do about it. It's so It's so... You're such... A small cog, albeit an important cog, yeah. in this this huge machine. So that's why I think it's very important to, to concentrate on process rather than product, because right. you know it, it's it, it should always be about enjoying the process, and the process should be the thing that rewards you, not the product. The product yeah. is the film, and whatever accolades reviews that gets yeah, yeah, yeah. is a bonus or a you know or a slight disappointment. It shouldn't be the be all and end all. What should be important? I've 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 pretty much enjoyed. I'd say 90% of the things I've ever done, I don't regret anything I've ever done. Yep. Even the stuff that hasn't come out and not been very good because I pretty much enjoyed every experience that I've had. Yeah. Some less so. Yeah. But generally, I've never had a complete nightmare on something and just wanted to get off it. You know? Yeah. And so for me, process is so much more important than product. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, c- c- uh, completely. As much as anything, because you, you're – that's going to be your life for several months. Yeah, yeah. So if it's not an enjoyable thing, then that's horrible. And even even more so as a father, that's what's taking you away from your family yeah, so for you this amount of time. So it has to be something that you're genuinely enjoying and passionate about. Otherwise, fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I know. It's literally, true. don't go near. Well, I did this movie in LA like a couple of weeks ago. I was out there for six weeks. That's yeah. the longest I've been away from my daughter. And, you know, thank goodness it was a really enjoyable experience. And I, yeah. I really enjoyed the work. And thank goodness for FaceTime and Minecraft and Fortnite because it made that we could meet up in the digital world. Amazing. But, I love uh, that. You know, it was it, it is important for it to be something that you don't resent because it's taking yeah. you away from your family or your home or what your comforts are, you know. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing where a technology has, has got 
uh, tour, isn't it? I remember Amazing. my first American tour was the first, was just as Skype had started to come out. Mm-hmm. And it really helped because my girlfriend at the time at home and all that. And again, I wasn't earning tons of money, so... I ain't having a normal phone call yeah. every night because it's, it's... And also, fa- phone, I hate talking on the phone. It's yeah. one of my pet hates. Yeah. And partly it's because language is, is a fraction of the communication spectrum. You sure. Know, the yeah. facial expression, yeah. interaction, tone, all these things that can be misconstrued. Completely. I've, I've, I can't remember if I've told it on the podcast, but I've said numerous times to friends... And my dad, through no fault of his own, who actually, he hung out with you at Coco once. He said to say hello. <laughs> yeah. He ate pizza with you all yeah, at yeah. one of my gigs. Um, his, through no fault of his own, his his goodbye at the end of phone calls really sounds like he's sick to death of yeah. everyone. It's like, right. bye. It's, it's honestly, it's like that every time. And it's not meant to be bad at all. Yeah, but yeah. I know him. So I know his actual expression at that time. I know yeah, it's yeah. not. But as a little audio clip, that sounds like you're into it. Bye. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. You, Sick of you. You're done now. Yeah, exactly. But that's why emojis are so important. That's why emojis have become such a big deal. Yeah. It's because text messaging has become very popular. Yeah. But text messaging is the most sterile form of communication. 100%. So if you can pepper it with infographics of yeah. how you're actually feeling. Yeah. So if you say a sarcastic comment, you can do a wink at the end or whatever. Yeah. These are our new sort of emotional touchstones. It genuinely helps. However frivolous they are, they do help. Completely. Unless you put the wrong one, which completely. is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. But Sorry completely. about your gran. Laughing face. Lol. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lol. But, but that's it. It's completely wrong. Because text has taken over the communication kind of spectrum in general now, mm-hmm. you, you're completely right. There's no gauge of tone no. in there at all. And I've had stuff that I've been offended into... before and it's like, yes. this is one of my my, my, my best mates. Yeah. So he wouldn't have said this to offend and me. And emojis but... are there to shore that up yeah. because talking on the phone is no fun. Text messages is easier because you don't have to go through that odd discomfort that phone conversations can have but they do need that extra punctuation and yeah. that is a whole new lexicon for us to, make it clear. to tell you how yeah. I'm feeling, you know, yeah. and say this is only a joke or... I love you, or whatever. Because goodbye, without a kiss at the end, can seem very harsh. Yeah, yeah. But you stick a little love heart, and oh yeah. man, thank you. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So, how is it? Um, again, it's, it's uh, it was beautiful to hear you uh, say just now about a Fortnite and Minecraft. Yes. The fact that you can p- play games with your daughter so while cool. you're on the other side of the world. That's amazing, right? The first thing I did thing. when I got there was I, uh, I I found a friend of mine who who had a PlayStation that I could borrow, yeah. got it to where I was staying, hooked it all up, and then the first weekend, me and Tilly met in Minecraft. And, like, there's there was her little avatar, and we built a house together, and we hung out, and we talked because you can talk while you're doing it. I love it. And it was far more, you know, sometimes you phone up, and all you want to do is hear their voice. You've got nothing to speak yeah, about, really. Yeah, yeah. It's just little platitudes about and, what's going on. And kids at points like that, if all they're getting is a voice, yeah. they've got stuff that's distracting they're them. They're so I've, bored I've by got it. goddaughters and different friends' friends who <laughs> their, their dad will ring or their mum will ring. And you'll see they're just tr- trying to get off the phone yeah, because yeah, they're distracted yeah, yeah. by other things. But yeah. if you can put it into something that's engaging, Absolutely. that's beautiful. So playing squads on Fortnite together was just yeah. like brilliant yeah and she's so good at it as well i'm terrible amazing amazing <laughs> well that leads perfectly to um another f- film you had out this year which i didn't know you were in for some reason until the end was oh right a ready player one yeah yeah um which i thought was fantastic yeah. and it's exactly about that it's about that future totally, of, yeah. um everyone fears there's been a lot of articles recently about addiction to gaming and mm. people just being alone in the rooms but there is that social element and there can be that social element that is that's a perfect example that yeah. you're playing you're engaging in a way with your daughter that a phone call wouldn't do and maybe even if you were at home 
Absolutely. it wouldn't have done because she'd be off doing things that interest yeah, yeah, yeah. her and you'd be doing this and that so yeah, yeah, yeah. there is a it is a beautiful thing but how was that to work on and to work with spielberg it's the 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 the, the way i described it to people beforehand because again everything gets overhyped yeah. and then things can be a letdown or whatever else and the way i said was it's literally just it's classic enjoyable spielberg it's oh, just yeah. go in there and l- lose yourself in the totally. world in the way that very few people have ever done as well as Spielberg can just go in there and lose it and just oh it's amazing he was very very pointed about calling it a movie you know he said this is a movie and this is this is a movie in the sense that it's pure entertainment it's something you know that's bright and colourful and and fun and it was I mean I I love working with him because he's because he's him yeah and and getting to sort of watch him up close when he when he's when he's making a film it was great this time because i got to work in the in the performance capture volume and do live action with him before i'd only yeah. done the performance capture on tintin of course yeah and he'd come on he did a little cameo on paul so he came in and, and did a voice for paul for me and nick amazing but um i hadn't done any kind of live action shooting with him so to actually be directed by him in a live action environment was really interesting yeah. and he's just great and all his stories are just amazing and yeah you can get him talking about making jaws and you'll just get some nugget of the coolest film anecdote you'd ever heard Amazing. just just over a cup of coffee between shots you know yeah it's brilliant i love the 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 humanness of of humans which sounds like a stupid yeah. sentence but we do build people up that are in the film industry that are in the music industry or whatever else as these these otherworldly things yeah and yeah, yeah. It, it's weird because now this is a kind of a strange m- m- moment but are you and Nick one of the great examples of of that to me? Because when uh, you played oh, one of my songs on 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 a six a music takeover, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, I've got like a signed DVD of Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> it's like, how do these people know who we are? And then we meet, and it's like everyone's just humans, and people are fans of music, people are fans of yeah, films, yeah, yeah, people yeah, are fans yeah. of all the different things. And again, Spielberg. It's just a human, and I know. he's done some amazing things. And it probably, sounds he's silly, probably all right it? talking about it. Yeah. yeah, again, he's Spielberg. Yeah, but he's very. It's the same with Cruz. <laughs> you know, he's kind of like he's almost more inhuman because he's yeah. quite. He's there's such a mystique around him that when you do get up close, and he's just a, a bloke, really. I mean, a yeah. very driven sort of yeah. peculiar bloke. But, yeah. but but really, at the heart of it, he's just a guy. Yeah, and uh, of course he is. And the same same as Spielberg, he's just he's just a, a guy who likes films. He just happens to have made some of the best ones ever. Yeah, but he's he's a a film lover, and I love talking to. I had the one. I guess it's okay for spoilers now because we're past it. If you haven't seen it, too bad. Yeah. When we were shooting that scene in the movie, when they go into that particular brilliant horror film of yes, you know, yes. of Stanley Kubrick's. I was on set doing something. I popped in for a costume fitting, then I dropped by to see to say hello to Stephen, and he was on the set of Room Two Three Seven. Wow! With the woman in the bath. Yeah, yeah. Because all yeah. that was actually a genuinely practical set. Amazing. And and I, I I had to ask him. I said, "What is it like being on the set of a film that came out forty years ago? Yeah. That was directed by a friend and contemporary of yours, and now you here you are in two thousand and eighteen directing essentially a scene what the hell is that like and he yeah. was just like it's fucking amazing yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was as buoyant and as kind of geeking out about it as you would expect anybody to be you know completely and that's what i loved about that film is for everyone involved you're getting to just for 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 the director you're getting to lose yourself in the yeah, pop yeah, culture yeah. references that you adore that you love yeah, for everyone yeah. m- making it all of that it feels like almost the audience got an equal or maybe 
maybe the audience are the ones who get the second most enjoyment out of that film, right, right. and the top enjoyment is the people who worked on it and made it. Well, funny enough, which... Stephen was very reticent. They p- persuaded him eventually to put in the T-Rex. Yeah. And, um, and the DeLorean at first was the kind of, as a film he produced, was the kind of acknowledgement of his part yeah, in all this. Yeah, but yeah. really, you cannot believe in a contemporary pop culture society that doesn't in some way represent Steven Spielberg. You know, it's totally. like when you watch EastEnders or Coronation Street, yeah. you're watching a world where those things don't exist, yeah. which makes which them really hard to believe in. Mind-blowing. Yeah, you can't <laughs> get your head around that. So Steven had to be coerced, really, into actually putting a few references to his own films in because he's, yeah, he's pretty humble, you know. That's a point, isn't it? Because yeah. that's a weird one. Because, yeah, I completely see how you'd, you'd feel, oh, if I put that in, it's kind of... <laughs> it's blowing my own trumpet. It's almost it's like, less believable. No, your trumpet, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You can't have this world where you don't exist. Yes, yeah. I'll it's believe like, that people can exist in a computer game, but I won't believe that there's no references to Jurassic yeah. Park in there. Yeah, you know, it's that it's the part in Last Action Hero, yeah, where Arnie is in a world where Arnie doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, it's like that's unimaginable. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, you can't have that as a thing. That doesn't make yeah. any sense. Um, a few more things I wanted I, I talk about. Another one you've got coming out later this. This year, I think it might be out in America already as Terminal. Yes, yeah. Um, Margot Robbie, I think, is just smashing it at the moment. She for, is. For anyone who mistakenly thought her Harley Quinn turn was just, oh, isn't she nice n- Nice to look at? She's yeah, then yeah, gone yeah. on and just done these amazing roles where she smashed it out of the park. And, and Mike Myers is in that as yes, well. Yes, he is, yeah, yeah. So, so what is it? And how how was that to... It's a, you know what it was. Much about it the script came to me, and it was being made by Margot's production company, Lucky Chap, and it was basically a, a group of um, PAs who'd worked on a bunch of films at Leaves and Harry Potter. Yeah, uh, you know who were who were wannabe filmmakers, would be, will be filmmakers. Yeah, who decided to say actually we're not uh, production assistants, we are producers, and we're going to yeah. produce a movie. And they, you know, with Margot attached, it managed to get some momentum. The script was a sort of uh, really chewy, very dialogue-heavy kind of noir, you know. And I just thought, I want to get on board with this. This feels like something that will be really, really fun. And we shot it in Budapest for – I virtually paid to be in it. You know, it was a really low-budget movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Margot – who was also a producer on it, was literally serving tea, you yeah. know, like at night when she wasn't actually on camera. I remember her coming around with a tray of buns and just Love thinking, it. all right, you're, 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 you're pretty cool, you know. And it was, um, it was really good fun. It was a really good experience. And it's this, it's a very, I think it's going to be very divisive because it's quite weird and it's a bit, it's very twisty-turny. Yeah. Mike is, does a really strange turn in it as this sort of janitor character. Amazing. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was really good fun. It's, it sounds amazing. And, and I love hearing... Just that that drive still exists and never stops and never yeah. fails. Again, from the outside, there's a perspective that any big superstar, they're being weighted on hand and, and foot. But uh, working on, on on Taboo with Tom Hardy and all that crap yeah, was yeah, yeah. exactly the same because that was Tom's passion project. Him and his dad had written this and yeah, they, yeah. they'd got Stephen Knight involved to, to, yeah. to, to make it work. And it was exactly the same. You kind of think, oh, this must be some – it's a huge – it's a BBC FX or this kind of – it's like – no, it's people all pulling together. Yeah, rolling the getting, up. G- getting the, their mates involved and getting people kind of doing it on the cheap or doing it as yeah, favours yeah, yeah. and, and making it work. And that sometimes that's like, that can be so, fulf- I mean, it's more fulfilling in a way, to be honest. I did this this film called Lost Transmissions in LA yes. um, and it was a 19-day shoot. And I'd just come off a film oh, which wow. was 144 days, Yeah, which was Mission. 
and uh, that's that's like stop off on your way home. Yeah, that's not even including the, the broken ankle. That that that's yeah. with that removed. It was yeah. still 144 days of actual shooting. Wow, and um, and and lost transmissions was 19 days, and it was all very handheld. Um, we shot it all on location in LA. Amazing. It was a very small crew. It's a beautiful script. It's shamefully, it was the first feature film I've ever done where I've been directed by a woman. Right. Which was part of the reason I kind of decided to do it, not just because I really liked the script, but I realized that I'd not been given that opportunity. Or, you yeah. know, if all the films I've ever done, they've always been directed by men. Yeah, yeah. And it felt remiss and a little shameful. And I, I, I thought, I'm going to do this, even though it's, it's a zero budget and... Yeah. Um, you know, it's not exactly, it might, no one might ever see it. I don't know. I really wanted to do it and I fucking loved it. It was yeah. great. It was me and Juno Temple and, uh, it was just an absolute delight. You know? Amazing. Yeah. And again, it's, 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 it's a fascinating one because people, people have a backlash these days to feeling there's an over push in the equality, um, situation of, of getting, women and people of, of, of colour directing and writing more and acting more. But the fact is, the film industry, it benefits the film industry. Yeah. The film industry, as much as I love it, for a long time, it was mainly the voice of white males. It's true. And if you question the idea that w- white males might run out of ideas, then just go and look at how many how many films out this year are either remakes or sequels or prequels or whatever else. That says that the 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 well has has run a little dry. Absolutely. So to have new perspectives and that haven't been represented in the past, that should be seen as an exciting thing, not as an equality thing or not as anything. It should Absolutely. be seen. This is awesome. I mean, it sucks to choose to become an actor as a white male at this point for me, because <laughs> because suddenly it's it's the flip. It's which is a great thing. I see all these projects. I was discussing this on on another podcast. Being a film nerd, I see all these projects on tv and film that are coming out and so much of what donald glover's doing and all these other people doing it's like that looks amazing but i'm white <laughs> so I, i've got no place there but i'm going to enjoy watching that and yeah, but that's yeah. a beautiful thing because that's been the exact opposite for 100%. literally centuries and i think to complain about it in any way so oh it's this push it's it's Completely. it's token it, the, the fact is it has to happen it has yeah. to happen the, the fact that there is this big push is proof that it hasn't happened yet yeah completely. and so you know for me I just think it, it, it's time to just allow it and not yeah. complain. Anybody that says... And enjoy it. Yeah, totally enjoy, enjoy the it. stuff yeah. that's coming out. Stuff like Get Out was was, was mind-blowing. Mind yeah, um, yeah. Sorry to bother you, I've not seen yet, but just everything I've seen, the trailers just look like the most batshit, crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. world that, yeah. And I think also something like, you know, the success of Black Panther was partly yeah. people so thirsty for something that was diverse and different yeah, and offered a different kind of aesthetic and perspective. People just sucked it up because they really wanted it, you know. Completely. It's it was... a great, it's a really fun film and it's, but it's, it's, it's not like miles above anything else Marvel have done. It's no. on a par with their very high quality stuff. But I think because it was Black Panther, yeah. because it said something very important, people were just like, give it to me, you know? Yeah, and completely. I love the fact it did so well. It's, it's particularly at this time in America that that film smashed every record. It's just a joy. 100%. I, was, I, I had um, a Patrice Kalours of Black Lives Matter on the podcast, and she was talking about the importance of things like Black Panther and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Wakanda yeah. has become kind of a saying that people do with yeah, DX yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but the thing that struck me, because I, uh, not being cynical, at first I was like, I get it, but it sounds like a lot of marketing as well because mm-hmm. we have had 
blade and 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 and, and things like that and the fact that the, the people saying a, a black role model I was like well Nelson Mandela was all right and Martin <laughs> Luther King was pretty decent <laughs> yeah. so there are these these role models but the thing that then hit me was in the cinema as it was ending and I come from quite you know I come from an, an area in Essex that has had racism problems in the past and yeah. all sorts of things like that and I saw three or four young white kids dancing excitedly to the African music playing at the end. And it occurred to me that white children haven't had many black role models. Absolutely. And that's what's, that's the bit that hit me as like, wow, no, this is important. Because again, previously I could argue, well, every black family I've ever known, they've been adamant in teaching their kids about black role models, about Nelson Mandela, about Malcolm X, about all these people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not so common in white households. And that was the thing that made me go, oh, no, you you know what? This is as special as it seems. This is a massive deal. Totally. And kids, you know, kids aren't born... All those prejudices are learned. You know, I look at my daughter and her classroom at school is so diverse and they just, I love it. It makes me all gooey when I see them all just hanging out with each other. And there is zero judgment among yeah. all of them. It doesn't matter where they're from, what yeah. color their skin is. You know, it's never the first thing that, you know, she'll describe some girl in her class. And the last thing she'll say is, oh, she's black or yeah. oh, she's yeah. from Asia yeah. or something. Yeah. And I love that. And that's, you know, kids, kids have that. That needs to be nurtured, not destroyed. Yeah, which it often completely. Is. As we're around the hour mark, I'll start to, 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 to get to Are some end discussions. Yeah, it flies by, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Uh, we should catch up more often. <laughs> I know, I'm um, not at work. <laughs> <laughs> um, s- s- stolen Picture, mm. your production company. How's, yeah. how's, how's that? And what's the plan there? Because it, it seems, again, it's, it's exactly the same as you were saying about uh, Margot uh, uh, Robbie there. It's, it excites me to see that passion to go. Because, not being funny, for you and Nick, Things are going really well. Like, it's not like you're you're digging around for roles and for for no. things to be a part of. But you're going. No, we want to create and we want to give a platform for new voices and for people and for voices that we feel aren't being heard or just just have some control over the the the, the stuff that's getting out there. Exactly. So what is the and plan on have that? Have some ownership over what we do. Everything we've we don't own anything we've ever done. We, yeah. we couldn't sort of say, oh, let's. Let's make a, a Shaun of the Dead TV series, and we'd have yeah. to ask Universal for of the course. character back, yeah, that's or, fascinating. or if they would have to make it. We just wanted to have some ownership of our intellectual property, and we also wanted to try and develop. We did this thing recently. We, we you know, um, young adult is the is the is very popular as a, as yeah. a concept in terms of television, particularly. Yeah, of course. But we can't write young adult content no. because we're old adults. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we got a whole bunch of young writers into the office, and we 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 sort of got them together and had this sort of workshop, and all sat around and talked about what they're into, and and started to develop ideas that they wanted to do, and and found the ones that we sort of connected with, and. And it was really, really interesting. Yeah. And doing that kind of stuff. I mean, the stuff that we'll produce from Stolen Picture, Nick and I won't be in all of it. Yeah. We'll be in some of it. But a lot of the time, we'll just be wanting to kind of shepherd stuff out there and, and, and hope that it's um, that it reflects our sensibility, you know. Yeah. And are you looking to focus on TV or film? Because it, it seems so weird at the moment that the natural transition of everyone kind of focusing on TV, which mm. I, I understand because... There's so much space to tell stories and tell them properly. Yeah, exactly, and, and, yeah. and these long r- rolling character arcs and everything else. And rather than a, you've got 90 minutes, yeah. go. And now it's in a cinematic 
format as well. We yeah. all have a sixteen by nine screen in our houses now. Yeah. There are no square boxes anymore. Yeah. So you can tell you can show tell stories on a cinematic scale over a longer period of time. What's yeah. weird is that as as film as TV has become more filmic, film has become more televisual. So that now we go to the cinema and we yeah. watch episodes of things. Yeah. So we watch episodes of Avengers and we watch episodes of Star yeah. Trek. That's they're just longer and yeah. they're more spread out, you know? Yeah. So I think the idea for us really in terms of on an economic level is television is probably what we'll make to keep the business running. Yeah. And we'll make films um, for the love of it because yeah. there is no money really in low budget filmmaking of course you know you, you, you can probably make a, a turnaround on bigger films now but yeah. low budget filmmaking it, you know you're lucky to kind of break even it's very yeah. risky it's a shame but but and I think there's a there's something to be said for and not, and held on to about telling a story in 90 minutes you know yeah. the, 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 a film is an art yeah. you, you're given 90 minutes to two hours say and you get to tell a story in that time, and that, and you—that's the package you you deliver. Yeah. Not necessarily any sequels attached. You know, E.T. is a film. Yeah, you could talk about Spielberg. Yeah. It's a beautiful film. It's told in a short period of time. That's yeah, it. Yeah, completely. And that's an art form. Would be sad to lose. The thing I think is most sad about, you know, the possible demise of of, of uh, public exhibition is the community of cinema is watching a film with a whole group of people you don't know and having an experience with them that you share. Yeah. It's a very communal, it's a very positive experience and one that communities... Particularly with comedies or yeah. actions. Anything and things that, that gets you excited. I'm a huge fan of the cinema still and I, I go constantly. Um, I often do like it when it's quite empty. But, yeah. but, 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 you know, if it's an action or comedy, then that's, yeah. that's a different thing. But I completely agree. I think it's... A, it's I pray that that it doesn't die because it is a yeah. world of difference being number one in darkness yeah. number two huge screen a huge sound number four you're not looking at your phone because yeah. if you are doing that in the cinema you're scum there's no accepting that but um well like you know what i think and i think well, this might might happen it feels to me like we're approaching an era when you will have a there'll be a membership to a screen you know say all this all the streaming services combine in some yeah. way, like all the networks did with mobile yep, phones. Yep. And then you buy, you, you subscribe with, say, a platinum membership. And what that gives you is the is the opportunity to go and watch Game of Thrones in a cinema yeah. with all wow. the other Game of Thrones fans. Yeah, that'd be amazing. And you think of that. I mean, you could you could fill the cinemas. The cinemas that are closing and are lying empty would suddenly be rammed with people who yeah. every Monday night would yeah, turn up to watch true. their favourite programme, which is very cinematic. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe uh, maybe you do like every two weeks and you you, you double bill it. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, you watch yeah. two in a row. Yeah. But that might be a way to bring That'd back the community of cinema, you know. I know the Prince Charles Cinema in the past have done a few blocks of films and yeah. or, of TV shows and things like that. And it's a fascinating one because, yeah, I think... It would be a completely different experience because, as you said, so much film is being or so much TV is being made cinematically now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And whilst we're watching it in the right scale, we're still watching it whilst glancing around our living room. Yeah. Or, or, and how or many looking out the window watching, as a car goes by or yeah. something like that. If you're watching, you know, Handmaid's Tale or something or Game of Thrones or one of those shows, Breaking Bad, where you at the end of it you go, "Oh no!" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Imagine doing that in a room full of in people. Room full that of people. would be awesome. Completely, but it, again, it's it's pleasing. I liked you what you said there about making, f- still making films potentially, mm. with stolen picture, but as passion projects. Absolutely, because yeah. again, I think it's key, and it, it does really sad to me. I got really on my my soapbox recently about friend of the podcast and friend of yours, uh, Paddy Considine, mm. 
a recent film, Journeyman, because I went to a screening of that, and it's a work of art. Yeah. Yet it will struggle to get screens because of the Avengers, because of everything else, which I understand, because they're these big experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was just urging everyone who's a fan of film in general to go and experience that in in the cinema. And it's out on DVD probably around and now, actually. Um, and that will still be an amazing experience. But it really had me scared that because the draw of cinema, or, or again, let's be blunt, the, 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 the profit yeah, of independent yeah. film is going, that we'll stop getting pieces of art like that. And that's the bit that's, that scares me, that there are yeah. these amazing films that, yeah, it's not going to be 100 million, 200 million, 300 million box office, but it's so needed in this world. Well, it's that's why films like, like Annihilation, you know, Alex yeah. Garland's last film, here went on to Netflix, which yeah. feels inauspicious. It shouldn't do, and we have to unlearn that idea that Completely. TV is inauspicious. But it is a shame that they didn't know how to market it. When everybody was yeah. crying out for more women, more diversity, more yeah. original ideas, that film had all of that. Completely. And yet, you know, whoever was distributing it decided, because it, they, they didn't do a good job of marketing it in the US, that it was just going to go on to Netflix. And yeah. thus, it didn't have the... the you know, the benefit of a, of a theatrical screening. And they didn't, I mean, again, because we've, uh, I mean, uh, we could talk about this for literally hours, and we may do, um, <laughs> but uh, with Netflix, uh, when they do it right, they put on a few screenings as well. Yeah, I went yeah. to see Mute in the cinema in London, yeah, so yeah. things like that. Uh, and I do think it excites me that Netflix has got, I want to find a term that isn't a hard-on, but a hard-on for sci-fi. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. That the excites me, yeah, 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 for that sure. genre. But, and that excites me, but sci-fi also is something that I think hugely benefits from being on a big screen. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's kind of sad that, because potentially films like Mute or Annihilation or all these others may not have been made otherwise. So yeah, yeah, yeah. for that, I'm grateful. But equally, it can't be that hard to say, well, it's going to be on for a, a week here. It's I know. not going to be on in ten screens. It's going to be on in, in, in one screen. There we go. You know what? It's, it, ultimately, to have that option to go back to where we were at the very beginning. It's Star Wars's fault. Yeah, because at some point, well, at that point on May the twenty fifth, nineteen seventy seven, the the sort of defining characteristic of cinema became spectacle instead of you know all the yeah. films that existed before star wars or the big blockbusters they were all like think pieces they were yeah. grown-ups movies Completely. taxi driver and godfather and bonnie and clyde and the french connection they were yeah. films for grown-ups suddenly star wars came along and it had this seismic effect on culture and everything that followed followed that pattern as it always is oh that makes money we'll do that yeah and that's what we have now we have a cinema of spectacle it's it's light shows and explosions and massive it's childish stuff really stuff yeah. i I'm, I'm not saying i don't watch it i do yeah completely. but it, it isn't grown-up it is spectacle it's, it's completely spectacle. it's the perfect term yeah you know completely. and that and now everything in order to make money has to be huge so yeah. the, the smaller films the, the films that are made for a million dollars or whatever or less they don't really stand a chance theatrically because you know, yeah. who wants to see them? You know what I think is we're going to see as the kind of counter to this is the huge rise in great. This is going to sound like an odd curveball that I'm throwing out, here, but great French films and Italian films right, and right. German films, things like because they didn't experience that same boom from their own own creation yeah, side true, of things. Actually, yeah. And people like Coralie Fargay who did. A revenge recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've I did a film in France at the end of last year that comes out out this year called Kill Ben Like, 
they're these creative directors that again have that that those French sensibilities of not being well Star Wars Avengers mm. all this kind of thing. Yeah, it's true. But they're all kind of seeming more open to making English language films as well. Yeah, as, yeah. As a revenge drifts in between the two at points right. and 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 kill ben like is completely in english but happened to be all shot in france and all french crew all that kind of thing so i think that for some reason yeah it's it's, it's just a weird one that i've been thinking a, a lot about recently as i've been watching a lot of 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 old french cinema and going man yeah look at how amazing they they are the patience the yeah, yeah. allow the the lack of fear of silence yeah yeah the, yeah, the, yeah the lack of fear of space and time to be able to go well he needs to go and open that door so we're going to film him w- walking up the road yeah, yeah. and then opening that door rather yeah. than cut to him opening the door did you see the, tw- the twin peaks no i don't I, I, see that that was amazing and that, that was david lynch albeit television that was david lynch reclaiming time yeah yeah you know, like he would take everyone i, was, I spoke to who watched it was like it's just it's it's transcendent. It's absolutely yeah. incredible. But how depressing that you need to be someone, or potentially you need to be someone with the power of David Lynch to get away with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean, it's, a lot of young directors or writers would have someone at a studio going. Oh yeah, and it's, it's a bit all long. The time. It's a bit long. Yeah, we need to lose half hour. That's the it's thing. Like, and no, that's we don't need that... to lose half hour. That's how long it's meant to be. That's the thing. Edgar fell foul of with with Ant Man was that yeah. they hired. Edgar to make a Marvel film really they should have hired Edgar to make an Edgar film exactly and I think everything that was good about Ant-Man was a leftover from Edgar's draft really Um, but but they weren't quite ready to do that they did it with Taika Waititi on Thor Ragnarok and Thor Ragnarok's amazing exactly (laughs) absolutely smashed it and it's such a weird thing we need more of that faith I think the wheels again I've got too many theories on all this I think the wheels fell off in that respect when America on the TV side of things, started having their pilot season and things like that. So right, rather right. than saying, we've got faith in you, g- g- go and create, they're saying, give us one episode and then we'll see if people like it. Yeah, it's, it's like, I can't tell you the story in one episode. It's, yeah. It has to be paced out. And I can't then have to try and kiss the kiss their asses enough to get them to like it. Yeah, it's I need the... to tell, it's 12 episodes. I need to yeah. tell this whole thing. I need to paint this. And it became that thing of just that instant demand of gratification. It is. is a, it's a symptom of instant culture in the same way that films now, if they don't make a certain amount of money on the first day, yeah. they're considered a failure. Nothing yeah. is allowed to, to boil and simmer and grow well, anymore. Well, Sleep, Solo's you know. a prime example of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's done great. It's one of the biggest box offices of the week or, or whatever at that time. Yeah, it just hasn't done Star Wars numbers. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so yeah. I really enjoyed it. It was a good film. But yeah. it's that, yeah, it's, I said it's that the first week hasn't done this. It's well, like, the, right. third, the third Mission Impossible had the same thing. It, it sort of, um, you know, it didn't do as well as they hoped. It, it did big numbers. It did like yeah. over 100 million in its run domestically and internationally it did even better. But that was considered to be... So it's very it's 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 good that they took a risk and actually let us do Ghost Protocol and now yeah. here we are on you know Fallout and it's yeah. uh, um, apparently the best one yet yeah according to test audiences <laughs> can't wait to see it um, I'll wrap things up with the 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 question that you probably can't answer is what is what's ahead is is there anything that you can talk about that's ahead or yeah. what's the, um, the plan well we got Nick and I have got uh, our first stolen picture joint coming out in September oh wow called called Slaughterhouse Rules which is yep. a, a co-production we did with um with Sony and Capitalist yeah. Uh, capitalist, <laughs> catalyst, global, global media. That's not even a Freudian <laughs> slip. That was. That's not. Uh, catalyst are a lovely film company. That they're not at all part of the the machine. Um, 
which is a kind of comedy horror film set in yep. a public school, which is directed by Crispian Mills. That's, that's yeah, and um, and written by him and Henry Fitzherbert, and and that's going to be really fun. I think I can't wait for that to come yeah. out. And then I'm going to direct something. Right, that's exciting. Yeah, I'm going to direct a movie with Naira Park, who produced uh, Sean and uh, the Canetto yeah. films, and Paul. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll talk about that when I can. It's a little yeah. early days yet, so I don't want to curse anything. But I'm that's looking exciting. forward to just being behind the camera and not being in it. You know. Yeah, and and again, it's that you've done a lot of time working with. Again, literally some of the best at that. Yeah, in the history of film, yeah. so you're in a really good good position now to go. I've got a decent idea on <laughs> yeah, on, yeah. on how this I get works, a good on what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. I'll make sure I shore myself up with. Uh, it'll be a collaboration. I, I have no no um, sort of uh, pretensions about being some sort of autocrat. Yeah. Do what I say. I'm going to go in with a bunch of people who can help me, and that's perfect. Yeah. When I had um, a Chris Fairbank on, and he was talking about uh, working on on, on Lady Macbeth. And he said on that, which again, it was a film that blew me away. And he said on that, on the first day, the director came out and said, look, this is my first ever film. Obviously, I feel I'm ready for it, but I need you guys. I'm here. This is our film. So rather than, because again, if you go in thinking, you know, you're going to have DAD that's a little bit annoyed that yeah, yeah. I've done fucking twenty of these and yeah, this guy yeah. thinks he knows what he's doing or or the DOP or whoever else. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, that's the perfect outlook from the start to go. No, I need to put the right team together. And yeah, make yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that's what I'll be doing. Well, that's very exciting. Thank you very much for your time. It's been Thank an you, absolute mate. pleasure again. Nice to see you again. Yeah, I'll see you <laughs> soon. Cheers, mate. Cheers. There we go. That was Simon Pegg, and he was as glorious as wonder and wonderful as ever. I loved his um, his Minecraft story about him, him and his his daughter uh, meeting up in Minecraft. I thought that was beautiful. Um, thank you for tuning in. Do obviously go and, ch- and check out um, a Mission Impossible. I genuinely love the Mission Impossible films. I think they're great. Oh. Okay, if you thought I was lying about being on a train for some kind of colour. Um, yeah, n- next week I've got Angelos Epithemiu slash Dan Skinner, then Cherry Gonzalez, and then actually on August 3rd, as you know, I normally sneak out a little birthday episode. So I recorded, I arranged a little birthday party with some of my uh, celebrity friends, and we recorded a secret podcast to put out on August 3rd. And then I've got to- a Tony Law. Professor Green example loads of good people so yeah check them out and I will talk to you soon thank you for tuning in guys come to to We Are Lizards on July 28th I want to see as many of you as possible and have a nice drink and a chat and a party alright see you later bye